0: From the Quadesh Family Church, Apostle Joel Abobusa will inspire you with anointed, practical, and down-to-earth Bible-based teachings that will refresh, energize, and motivate you to do your best for God. Join the Apostle now as he ministers the Word of God.
1: Wow. 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 Hallelujah.
0: Wow. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) Amen. Amen. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this afternoon. Thank you for another opportunity to hear your word. We pray for the spirit of encouragement. We pray for direction and the help of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, put your hands together again, and you may be seated. Yes, good to see all of you again. It's always wonderful to come to church, yeah, Um, and to see again all of you and how the Lord is taking care of you. Amen. Amen. The Kirujas are back. We miss them. And so, so is, um, what is, Catherine. Catherine is here. Also, we miss that, right. Uh, when you go away, we miss you. Yeah. So make sure you're missed, amen. All right. Now it's a blessing, right? Next Friday, this Friday coming is wow. DJ's wedding, right? Wow. DJ and Mike. Wow. <laughs> wow. DJ has been, she has been singing through mics for a long time. She's finally get to have. Her own mic. (laughs) She's finally going to get to have her own mic for herself. I don't I don't know what she's going to do with him. But we know what DJ does with mics. (laughs) So we're turning the mic loose this Friday. It's going to be wonderful. Amen. And she tells me everybody's invited. And so um, that's wonderful. Please take the day off on Friday. And later on, we'll put the information on the screen where it's happening. It's happening at her granddad's church. And then the reception is going to be here. Right? Okay. So take the day off on Friday and come and see something beautiful amen Amen. all right now let me go into my message because it's it's kind of short so amen okay now we have been talking about offense for some time isn't it i hope you have forgiven all your offenses How many understand that offenses are impossible to avoid? Right. So the real solution to offenses is to brace ourselves and ready ourselves to go through and endure them. Amen. That offense is not news, isn't it? Yes. From now on, we know that if somebody is offended, it's not news. Okay, so when you're offended, all you need is to drink a little bit of water, (laughs) flavor it with some orange juice, (laughs) with some ice, and go to bed and wake up, you'll be okay. Okay, that's Pastor Charles' prescription. So if we follow it, I think we'll be okay. Amen. Amen. But we know that offenses are a tool that Satan uses to dislodge people. To knock people out of their God-given place, isn't it? Where God has appointed for them, whether it's a church or a family or a workplace, you know, or a relationship or a friendship, that the enemy uses offenses to knock people and to push people out of places where God has appointed for them. Amen. And the key of forgiveness is the key that helps us to overcome offenses. Amen. The Bible says, be not overcome of evil. So what they did is wrong. That's true. But it says, you must not allow the evil to overcome you, but rather overcome the evil with good. (laughs) Amen. So the solution to evil is good. Good will kill the evil. You know, I saw a little video clip of a fireman um, showing people how to handle house fires, you know, like little fires that break out around the stove and so on, around the uh, oven and such places. And, And he was showing an example where someone was pouring water on it. And as they did, the fire rather got worse. You get it. So he was showing um, a demonstration that you need to rather starve the fire of oxygen, isn't it? By throwing something on it that will reduce the air that goes to the the fire so it dies. Do you get it? And as I watched that video, I I thought about it. This is what the Bible is saying, that be not overcome by evil. You get it? That, That fire that has started, yes, it started. It's true. It's not supposed to be there, but it's there. Do we leave it and we allow it to have its way just because it wasn't supposed to be there and it's there, which is what we do. You get it? It's like, well, he wasn't supposed to say that to me, and he did. Yeah, he did. But he, he has already said, he, you can't make him unsay it. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Did I tell you how a police officer stopped me one time? It was a woman, and she was saying that I was driving a little too fast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Yes, that was her opinion. But unfortunately, she wanted to give me a ticket. And so I started to plead with her and I begged her and I tried to say, please understand, you know, I wouldn't do this again. I mean, right after this, I'm gonna drive at the speed limit. You know, I told her everything. She still said she was gonna give me this ticket. So at a point, I mean, I was irritated by the fact that she was so unresponsive to my pleas for mercy, (laughs) you know. So I just said, you know what, go ahead and give me the ticket. And she said, yeah, I did. (laughs) You know, she was rubbing it in. (laughs) Do you see, (laughs) yeah. So, sometimes you can't do anything about it. It's already happened. Do you get it? Do not allow the fire to burn out of control. Because, you know, if you allow your hurts to lead you and to control your life, you'll be surprised where they will take you. You get it? And you'll be surprised what they will rob you of. You'll be surprised what you can lose because you are hurt and you are bitter. Yeah. Do you get it? You'll be surprised how low you can descend, you know, just because you are hurt and you are bitter. You'll be surprised the amount of venom that can come out of your mouth, poisoning other people's lives other people's minds, and other people's situations, you'd be surprised how toxic you can be to any human existence and any group of humans who are living in any place. Do you see? Just because you are so offended, you get it, yes, and your heart becomes filled with bitterness. And when you enter that state, you know, you create a conducive atmosphere in your heart and in your life for demons to inhabit you. Do you, do you, do you get it? Yes. You can, you can set the stage where, where demons are comfortable in such a place. Yes. Because the, the sort of feelings and, and emotions that are going on there are compatible with the habitation of demons. Do, 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 do you get it? Yes. Yes. You know, animals and so on, they dwell in places where they, they are comfortable. You get it? They, they, they stay in places. Even you would sit in a place where you're comfortable. Sometimes you waiting, maybe at the airport or something, you sit next to some people, and they're talking so loudly. You get it? I mean, they're having a conversation, and it's so loud. You just get up and leave. Not that there's no seats there, but the place is not conducive for... Uh, your comfort. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so you relocate in the same way if you have um, a place that supports you know, what you like. Sometimes you sit in a place and you like the music they are playing and that makes you very comfortable there and then you go and tell your friends can you come over to this place? That's exactly what demons do. You get it. So you see that when demons inhabit a person, the Bible says they invite other demons to come. You've seen that before. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 43. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 43. The Bible says, um, when an unclean spirit is gone out of a person, right? Are you bringing it? When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, so he's gone, isn't it? He's free. He walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Do you get it? Now, you can see that demons are looking for comfortable places. They're looking for a place where they are not harassed. You get it? And sometimes, your mentality creates comfort for an evil spirit. You see, the, way, the way you are thinking creates that place, resting place for an evil spirit. Do you get it? Your, your determination to revenge, to get even, you know, the bitterness you're hosting, you know, makes an evil spirit that's passing by, just look through inside there and can just see, oh, this, 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 this looks like, a, yes. That the way this person is thinking, if I even add myself to it, they won't even notice. They would think they are just handling, you know, this, you know, normal resentment. But they wouldn't know that actually a spirit has come to take over and is living in that place. Do you get it? So he's seeking rest. And when he findeth none, then he says, I'm going to go back to verse 44. He says, I'm going to go to, um, I will return to my house from whence I came out. Do you see, he's going back to where he came out of, and when he's come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. You see, again, can you see that demons are always looking for a place where they can be comfortable. Do you see? Yeah, so sometimes the way you think about issues and about things, you know, make your life a comfortable place for an evil spirit. Now, when he finds such a place, verse 45 says, then what does he do? Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. Do you see? So, can you see that now the original spirit is going to throw a party and invite other evil spirits more wicked than himself to come And say, look, I've found an empty house. Let's live there. You see, so the last state of that man, it says they enter in and they dwell there. They dwell there. They enter in and they dwell there. So this person was free of evil spirits. But now the spirits have returned and have multiplied. Do you get it? And it says the last state of that man is worse than the first. amen. Amen. Then he says, even so shall it be unto this generation. So I want you to know that it is very, very important that we follow the word. You know, when evil spirits, you know, when, when you change your mind and your thinking to agree with the word, you create a life that is incompatible with what the evil spirits want. Do you get it? Let's say a spirit of hatred and bitterness wants to come and live in you because of some experience you had. Do you you get it? That hatred and that bitterness creates an environment for that evil spirit to come and live there, right? But now you read the word of God or you come to church and the pastor preaches and says hatred must go and it must be dealt with through forgiveness, Do you understand? Now, once you agree with it, when you agree with that word and embrace it and say, I'm going to live with this, I'll forgive, instead of harboring the unforgiveness and bitterness, immediately you create incompatibility with the direction of of that spirit. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, because now you are loggerheads with the Spirit. The Spirit says hate, and you say, no, I'm forgiving. You get it. The Spirit says, be bitter. You say, no, I'm letting it go. Yes. So you see that whereas before the evil spirit would tell you, you know, this is a good place to frown. (laughs) You know, come on, keep the frown on. You know, sometimes you're smiling and say, what? You're smiling? (laughs) After all they did to you? (laughs) No, you need to frown. (laughs) You know, you need to be sad. You get it? Yes. And sometimes you feel even guilty for being happy. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You feel guilty for being happy because a spirit wants to keep you captive. You get it? By putting the event on long play, you get it, on repeat. You know how you can repeat a single track? Yes. They put the event on repeat and just keep looping it. And playing it over and over and over and over and over again. Sometimes when you come to church, you get a little break. You get it? Yes, it hasn't stopped. Just the volume is turned down. (laughs) Do you get it? Because there are other voices in the whole atmosphere in church. That's why you must make it a habit to be in church. You get it? Yes. Because the other things that are happening in the presence of God drown the voice of the evil one. You get it? Yes. But you see, it takes embracing the word because right when you step out of the service, he just revives the volume because the other things that were drowning it have, 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 are off. You've left that environment. But what you can take with you is the word of God. Whatever the word of God says about that situation, if you bring that along with you, you will find that you are able to continue to experience victory you see, and that battle keeps going on and it keeps going on and it keeps going on, you create discomfort for that evil spirit. And that evil spirit will say, no, I can't stay here. <laughs> I, can't, I can't stay here. You get it? Yes. And so they'll find another place. Remember they go around seeking rest. Yes. And rest for an evil spirit is a place where he's not challenged by the word of God. You get it? A place where, you know, the person's mindset and mentality agrees with what he does. That's a place of rest for an evil spirit. Are you understanding it? Yes. So you see sometimes people going from bad to worse and getting worse and worse and worse is because more spirits are being invited. Come and let's squat here. You know, this house is free. Let's stay here. (laughs) You know, no evil spirit will inhabit you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. So that was uh, about offenses. Okay. Now, today we're starting to share, and this month we're going to be talking about church growth. (laughs) Amen. Amen. It's about time we spoke about church growth. Hallelujah. Yes. I believe that as we talk about church growth, the grace of God for growing the church will come upon us. Amen. And so, we have a book here. Um, Where is it? Okay. I don't see it here. But... We have a book on church growth, a beautiful book on church growth. Um, let's make sure we have one there next week. Or I don't know how come it's not there, but I see the mega church. But anyway, right. And by the way, do you know that everybody gets to have all our books through the All to All program? Right. So if you don't have all our books in the church, I want you to see Sister Ivana right after the service and say, please, can I have my set, my personal set of all the books, all 101, 104, 105 of them, yes, 105 books, um, all put on your portable device so that you can carry it with you all the time. I think that's a blessing. It's a special gift. A special gift from our pastor. And um, I don't think you can beat that. What do you think? All right. Now, chapter one of that book talks about church growth and a burning desire. Right? Yes, Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18 Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Amen. Right? So church growth begins with having a vision for it. Amen. That's setting our sights on it that this is something that we want to achieve. Amen. You know, God wants the church to grow. Why does God want the church to grow? It's because of what a church is. Amen. It's because of what a church is. God doesn't want the church to grow just for show or just for the sake of growth but it is because of what a church is. Now, a church is an assembly of people who have been saved as a result of our attempt at fulfilling what the Bible calls the Great Commission. Right? or not the Bible, actually it's not the Bible that calls it the Great Commission, but it's come to be known as the Great Commission. I would like to know who named it Great Commission. But it is indeed the Great Commission. What did you say? Salvation Army? Um, Salvation Army is uh, William Booth, right? He called it the Great Commission, okay. So now, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, the Bible says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Then it says, Teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. Now, this is what has been known as the Great Commission, isn't it? Where Jesus told, as these are supposed to be some of the last words of Jesus, so you would find something similar in all the Gospels. At least Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you see Jesus Saying something similar, sending the people, go and preach, go and preach, and preach the gospel to everybody. And then he says, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. You know, now our attempt to teach people all things whatsoever he has commanded us is what makes us create. A system called a church. Do do, do you get it? Because if you're going to teach someone a lot of things, then you need some structure. You get it? We need a systematic way of imparting those things and going from one thing to the other, to the other, to the other. Do you get it? Yes. That's the process of making disciples. So you see that when Jesus wanted to make disciples he told them to follow him you get it because it won't happen in a day you get it it won't there's a difference between a a disciple and someone who experiences a one-time miracle from Jesus Christ in the multitude you get it he is not a disciple he's had an encounter with Jesus okay but that's not a disciple Now, the ones that he called disciples, he told them, you're going to need to follow me. You get it? I'm going to have to teach you a number of things over a period of time. Do you see? And that's how you're going to become my disciple. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yes. So in the book of John, he tells them, if you continue in my word, you know, then are you my disciples indeed. You get it? So it, it looks like there's some kind of, Continued impartation and continued exposure to his word. Do you you get it? In order for a person to become a true disciple. So he says, if you continue in my word, you know, then are you my disciples in need. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You get it? So it means that even the freedom and deliverance that we experience in Christ is the result of continuing a continued exposure to the word is what brings us eventually to that place. That, do you see what I'm saying? It's not just a one-time encounter. You know, let's read it. John eight thirty-one. John, John 8 and verse 31. Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him. So you can see, if it's about believing, it's settled already at this point. Do you get it? So they have now believed on him. These people he is talking to have no doubt that he is the Messiah. They are not questioning like others whether or not he is sent from God. They have no issues with that. They are people who believe on him, right? Then he said to them, now that you believe in me, you need to continue in my word. Do you get it? Then you become my disciple indeed, Does it make sense? Yes. So people can believe but not progress on to become disciples or disciples indeed. A disciple indeed is like a confirmed, you know, um, the disciple. You get it? Yes. You know, I was going to travel this morning and then I bought a ticket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like wow (laughs) anyway I'm here (laughs) so you don't don't have to be crying over what I was going to do that I didn't do (laughs) you know but yes when I got the ticket I had a ticket that ticket gave me a reservation isn't it yes it gave me a reservation it's like a chance at being on there you know but then you, at a point they sent me a text and they said that you have not checked in. Do, 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 do you see? Yeah, now that's drawing me deeper into the com- commitment. You get it? Yes. Now when you check in and they give you a boarding pass, you get it? Then it's like now you are a passenger indeed. At that point, they don't assign your seat to anyone. You get it? But your, your mere reservation, you know, does not um, save your seat in that, in that way. So you see, every time you go to the airport for every flight, there are some hangarounds who are just, they're called standbys, isn't it? They are just waiting f- for you not to show up. You get it, yes. And they'll take your spot. You get it, yes. So when you check in, and you have a body in past. Now you have almost become like a disciple indeed. Now you are actually going on the plane. You see, now he's saying that Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. You see, then verse 32, it says, from that point, you will now know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Do you see? The truth shall make you free. So it means unless you progress to becoming a disciple indeed, you will not experience this verse, which is knowing the truth and the truth making you free. So what it means is that our walk with God requires progression and it requires growing in him. Do you see what I'm saying? in order for us to experience the fullness of what he has for us. Now, that process of growing in him is what is accomplished in a church. Do you get it? So the church is an assembly of people who have believed, you know, and then the continual impartation and exposure to the word, the teaching of the word systematically and gradually to those people is what we call the church. Amen. Amen. And within the church, there are other experiences. We also have worship. We have prayer. We have other activities that all help people to grow. Once I saw a little kindergarten And it was called Growing Room. The Growing Room. Right? Yes. It's like that's where, you know, you bring babies and this is where we grow them. (laughs) You get it? I thought that was a cute name for a school. You see? Yes. So it's important for us to understand what a church is. You get it? Yes. And because the devil knows what a church is, that's why he likes to attack The church. He attacks the church because that's where people grow. That's where people are fed spiritually. That's where people develop. That's where people become giants in the Lord. That's where people are are prepared as disciples to be sent out to make more disciples. You get it? So a church is not a good place for the devil. He doesn't like it. He hates it because it, he sees it like a cell. You know, this thing is where it all begins. This is where the power comes from. And so he likes to fight churches and tries to, you know, uh, um, um, degrade even the experience in that place by setting up quarrels, issues, confusion, so much things, you know, so many different things going on so that that process is is interrupted and disturbed as much as possible. Amen. Amen. Now, I was trying to answer why God wants the church to grow. Now, because of what the church is, which is the assembly of (laughs) believers, God wants it to grow because when the church grows, it means the believers have multiplied. Do, 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 Do you get it? And it means that the disciples have multiplied. You know, John chapter 16 and verse 15, which we were reading recently at our camp. John chapter 15 and verse 16, Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain John 15:16 right John 15:16 yes he said you have not chosen me but i have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth what fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye ask of the father in my name he may give it you Amen. So you can see these words from Jesus Christ are telling us that his intention for every one of us is that we would go and bring forth fruit. Do you see? Yes, the fruit of making disciples, you see, the fruit of speaking the word of God to people and converting them to Christ. Do you get it? He wants us to go and bring forth fruit and two, that the fruit would remain. So our work is in two parts. One part is to go and make the fruit and the other part is to ensure that the fruit remains. You get it? Now the fruit that remains, the fruit that remains is what we call the church. Are, are you getting the picture? Yes. So when that second part is growing, you see, when that second part is growing, it means the first part is actually functional. You get it? Or let me put it this way. If the first part is functional, the second part will inevitably grow. You see, because we are bearing fruits, and if we are bearing fruit and the fruit is remaining, then it will have to grow. Amen. So when we say that we want the church to grow, it's not because we want to be popular. (laughs) Do you get it? Yes, or that we want power. (laughs) Do you get it? Or we want to make a name. (laughs) Or we want to be the biggest name around. No, that's not what it is. But anybody who has a burden for lost souls and who embarks on an agenda to win them unto the Lord. Anybody who can actually see what Jesus is saying and who decides to obey it, you see, will soon be looking for a place to store that fruit. You get it? If you start bearing the fruit, you begin to look for a How do I... S- well, where do I put the fruit? So that I can do the second part, which is to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. You get it? So you will find yourself putting them in a church. Amen. Yes. And once you start bringing human beings together, you need to organize them in some way. You get it? Otherwise, you create Confusion. So when people say, I don't like organized religion, I don't like, you know, (laughs) once you start bringing people together, you're going to have to arrange them. (laughs) You're going to have to organize them. You're going to have to say, now, dancing stars will start first. After that, the choir will come. Okay, the ashes will be in this color, and the kids will be in that room, and so on and so forth. This person is going to be the leader of this, and that will be the leader of that. It's, it's inevitable. Once you put people together, you need to organize them. That's right. are, you, are you getting the picture? Yes. So, a lot of people make a lot of arguments that you can see they have not thought through it properly do you see what I'm saying right so churches must grow amen Amen. and in chapter 1 we're saying that we need to have a burning desire for that growth to occur Why? because if the church is growing it means more souls are being won unto the Lord are you getting what I'm saying yes And if more souls are being won unto the Lord, it means fewer people are going to hell. Do you get it? And if fewer people are going to hell, then it means Jesus is achieving the purpose for which he came. Because the Bible says in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world, you see, that he gave his only begotten son, that he who believes in him should not perish. You get it? God doesn't want anybody to perish but have everlasting life and he, he showed his commitment to that by sending his only begotten son to pay the price. I don't want anybody to perish. I don't want anybody to go to hell. So here is my son. Think about it. That's quite a price. Yes. So even if you don't understand what hell is or what is in hell, just think about the price that was paid. You get it? And the price that was paid to, for people to avoid hell is an indication, you know, of what is in hell and how important it is for people to avoid hell. Do, do, do you get it? Yes. If hell is such a place, that it costs someone's only begotten son to avoid that place, then it must be quite a place to avoid it. Yes. Do you see? Yeah. 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 So, the more people we have in church means the fewer people we have out there. Do you get it? Now it doesn't mean that every single person in a church is saved, but every single person in a church has a chance. You get it? Every single person in a church has a chance. And especially the more they stay in the church, they continue to experience what we call the washing of water by the word. You get it? Yes. So that washing of water by the word has the ultimate effect of cleaning people up. You see, and if you keep, it, keep washing it and keep washing it, you know there are some things that don't clean very well with the first wash. You get it? But you throw it back in there. And you give it a second wash. And it comes out cleaner. And you give it a third wash. And suddenly you see that it starts to look good. You get it. And then some of the things need some personal attention, isn't it? Yeah, there are some of them, they need some rubbing. You take it out of the group and you personally rub it. That's that's one-on-one counseling with the pastor. Yes, yes. You see, yes. So what? when I'm preaching like this, what we are doing is the general washing. You're being just, you know, spun around and everybody is together and we're all just spinning around. You get it? But when the wash is over, then you now pick the individual garments and you start to look at them and you have a stain in a spot which stain the other person does not have. Do you see what? So now we need to take you in particular and rub you in that spot so that you can also be clean and be well. Amen. That's how it works. And that's what we are doing. So no one should criticize us. Only people who are anti-Christ and his mission criticize churches. But if you are for Christ, you become a supporter of church work. You get it? And when you are part of the church, it must be your desire for the church to grow. Amen. Amen. It must be your desire for the church to grow because when it grows, this is what it means. It means fewer people are going to hell. You see, it means Jesus is achieving his aim and his goal. God is achieving his purpose for sending his son. You know, and we're making the death of Christ on the cross fruitful and more and more people are benefiting from the blood that was shed on the cross. Hallelujah. That blood that was shed on the cross has the capacity to clean the whole world. The Bible calls him the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. That's the capacity of the blood that has been shed already. And since it's been shed already, now we just want it to wash as many people as possible because it won't take another son to die you get it the one son who died is enough for the whole world so we we have our job God is counting on us to let the world know that the price is already paid do you get it the price is already paid people don't need to remain in their sins People don't need to walk in their sins. People don't need to go to hell. They really don't have to go to hell because the price is already paid, you know. And an escape from hell is actually free. (laughs) Amen. It's actually free. The Bible calls it the gift of God. The gift of God. It says, for by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves. Isn't it? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Right? I hope I remember that we are in church, not at a camp. (laughs) Right? But listen, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. It says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. You get it? So nobody should be sitting somewhere and saying that, you know, I'm waiting till I qualify. Or I am trying to be good so I can be saved. You can never be good enough to save yourself. No. Jesus has paid the price. He says it's by grace that we are saved and we connect to it through faith. You get it? Faith is the straw... Faith is like the straw by which we draw on that gift of salvation. Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. You know how somebody gives you a drink, you know, and then they put a straw in it. And through that straw, you are able to draw on everything that is in that cup. And he says it's by grace that you are saved and it's through faith that not of yourselves. So forget about yourself. Stop trying to get better before you come to church. No. That will keep you out of church forever. Yes. Because salvation is not a self-improvement exercise. No. It's not a DIY project. It is the gift of God. 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 Yes. And if it is a gift of God, then why wouldn't we expose as many people to that gift as possible? Do you understand? Yes. Because, you know, sometimes our selfish human ways, you know, make us not let people know about other good things that they could also have. But not salvation, you see, because you don't become any less saved because someone got saved. You don't get less of the gift because others have to get more. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. You'll be saved all right. And remain saved. So feel free and introduce another person to that gift. Do you understand? Yes. And in verse 9, it says, it is not of works. Isn't it? Verse 9. Ephesians 2, verse 9. Quickly, please. Verse 9. Right? It says, it is not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, not of works, lest any man should boast. Yep, not of works. There's no contribution to it. Hallelujah. So that's our job. And if we do this job and tell people about Christ and bring them in that they should remain in him, you know, it should naturally produce a growing church. Are you getting it? It should naturally produce a growing church. So, what this book is saying, or this, this chapter or lesson is saying, is that we need to have a vision for the church to grow. Amen. It must be burning in us and burning on our hearts. That is not enough even to have the vision, but we need a burning one. One that makes you unsettled, that makes you uneasy, that makes you uncomfortable. Do you see? One that is turning within you and you have this burden. You have this burden. You know, the other day I took some people somewhere and then I I sort of felt that I forgot to turn off the 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 the, the burner. You know, yes. And we were downtown. Yes. And I started to have a burning desire to go home. (laughs) Do you get it? Yes. I started to have a burning desire to go home. And I tell you, even though uh, we were looking around, it was my brother. My brother was around this week, you know. Some of you don't know that I have a brother (laughs) or that I I can have a brother. (laughs) You know, yes, but my brother was around this week with his uh, two kids, and so I was trying to show them around early a little bit, you know, and we had made ourselves breakfast, and um, you know, somehow, that's how I forgot, or thought I had forgotten, you know. There was a part of me that thought, I think I turned it off, but there was this demon, I tell you, that kept telling me, you did not turn the thing off. You're going to go home to ashes. <laughs> you know. But I just remember the feeling. You get it? Yes. So we had gone to some place, you know, where the, everything was supposed to be interesting there, but as I was there, I could see that I was not at ease. You get it? Yes and the only place I wanted to be was at home. I wanted to go back home, you know, yes, and just check, just be satisfied that this thing was turned off. I mean, I had to, you know, balance it. (laughs) And, well, eventually I said to myself, well, by this time, (laughs) if, if I'm gonna start going home now, you know, I'm still like a whole hour away. You know, and we had been gone for maybe about an hour and a half already. You get it? So, at least we were two and a half hours away uh, from whatever would have happened. So, I was just thinking, you know, (laughs) might as well start buying clothes. (laughs) maybe more useful to stop by Walmart or something and start our shopping because by now everything is gone. Let's book a hotel or call somebody to stay with them. I was thinking of Jean-Jacques. <laughs> because, because Reverend Munene wasn't there. And I was, I was saying, I have to call Jean-Jacques or go and stay in their house or something. I was playing the whole thing in my head. What would I do? What would I do? It was, it was just... You know, But I'm talking about the uneasiness. Do you get it? And we must pray to God for such a burden. Do you get it? We must pray to God and ask God, give me such a burden because a burden for church growth is a burden for lost souls. Do, do, do you understand? A burden for church growth is a burden for salvations. <laughs> It's a burden for people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the Lord. That's what you mean when you are praying that the church should grow. It's not a burden for other people's churches to break up. (laughs) So you can have their members. No, that's not the burden. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, sometimes the devil makes us feel guilty for wanting the church to grow. Yes, You find some people accusing us. You just want numbers. So I just, no, it's not about wanting numbers except that's the only way to know, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. How are you able to know something is expensive? It's the numbers. (laughs) Is it not the numbers? Yeah. So what if somebody told you you're only just about the numbers? Yeah, what do you what do I do? What what do you want me to do? How else can I explain to you that this thing is too expensive? So forget about the numbers. Forget about the numbers. When it comes to paying for it, I'm going to use a number. And somebody's going to be counting the numbers. Have you been to one of those 7-Eleven shops which won't let you have something because you're missing a penny? Yeah. You count all your coins and you say, Excuse me, and you go in the car and you dig through the car, the drawers in every place, and you come back and you come and count all of them, and you are missing one penny, and the guy says, No. <laughs> oh. Yes. And then the person who is paying after you is so frustrated, they pay for you. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So unfortunately, numbers are the only way that we measure, you know, what has been accomplished. You get it? Yes. That's the only way we know that 20 people are saved. You know, 30 people are saved or 40 people are saved. We have to use the numbers. It's not that people don't, people don't matter us and this just a number. No. But we need to start and say 40 people are saved before we ask who are the 40. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. And so when you read the Bible, you can see that numbers do matter. So in all the encounters we see Jesus, sometimes they would say, 5,000 people were there besides women and children. 5,000 men besides women and children. In the book of Acts, it says 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Another time, it said 5,000 people were added to the church that day. That's the only way you can know the extent of the move of God that was happening at the time and what the Holy Spirit was doing at the time. Are you getting it? Yeah. So if somebody tells you that your church is just about numbers, tell them, no, 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 no. You show me another way to count and I would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we can use the alphabet to count, we would. <laughs> yes. We, we will be talking about alphabets. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How many people got saved today? How many people got saved today? F, F. (laughs) Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So, church growth needs a burning desire as its foundation. Do you see what I'm saying? It needs a burning desire. We need to burn with the desire for people to be saved. Amen. Amen. And I realize that that burden, you know, it doesn't happen naturally. We need to pray for it. Amen. You need to be a spiritual person to be interested in the salvation of somebody's soul. Do you get it? Yes. It's salvation of somebody's soul. I mean, it's so spiritual, that you have to be spiritual to appreciate it. You know, otherwise it sounds like just some religious talk. But people can be saved for real. When you see Jesus transforming people's lives, when you see how somebody can change, you know, I think recently Yvette was sharing her testimony here, you know. Yeah, you get it, yes. Now I missed it, but when, when I went home I watched the video and I heard the testimony and I was just thinking that's a blessing you get it yes that's a blessing when you hear about Jesus changing lives you see what a difference Jesus can make in a person's life oh yes what a difference and once you start to see him making that difference you want to see more if you love people, if you like people, you know, you want to see more. If the love of God is in your heart, when you see people, you know that this person does not have to be this way. You know, this person can change. There's hope for this person. I mean, some of the people, their families have given up on them. Yeah. Even some people have given up on themselves. The person himself has no hope in himself. Yes. Some of the people who continually, you know, commit crimes, you know, and repeat crimes and so on, many of them is just because their life to them is worth nothing. In prison, out of prison doesn't make a difference. You get it? They even feel safer in prison. Yes, some people feel safer, you know, in jail because somehow there's a community, you know, and there's there's some family of some sort. You get it, and there's food and raiment. <laughs> yes, you get it, yeah, food and raiment and free rent. There's TV, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, basketball, you know. Yes, you get it, even free education, isn't it? Yes, you can go to school, you get it. Cause as soon as you get out, you have to deal with landlords and all these people. <laughs> Complex people, tuition, they are throwing you out. You have to buy gas, this, that, you know. No. Nobody pays tax in prison, isn't it? Yeah. The people who look after you pay taxes. And their taxes look after you. And you are free. Yeah. Do you see? So they commit crimes and go back. But when you see what Christ has done in somebody's life, you know that this person, there's hope for him. Yes, all he needs is Jesus. All he needs is an encounter with Jesus. That's what he needs. That's what he needs. And you want him to have that encounter. But you see, you will not naturally think that way about people. You have to pray and ask God to give us the burden. Do you see that Lord let me see more about people than their physical being. Help me. Put, put people on my heart. You know, give me an interest in the salvation of people. Do you get That's what makes people give themselves for the work of God. Hallelujah. Yes. You start to be interested in the salvation of people you begin to see and get a revelation of what it means to go to hell you know and what it means that a person is just walking around but really on the day he drops dead it's over his best chance for salvation is while he's alive actually it is his only chance because after he dies it's finished the bible says it is appointed For man wants to die and after death judgment. Hebrews 9, 23. Do you get it? It says it is appointed unto men once to die and after death judgment. You see, and because we didn't make the appointment, we don't know when it is. You get it? Yes. If I tell you I've made an appointment for you, you wouldn't know when because you didn't make it. So look at it. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. You get it? So there's an appointment for you to die. The reason why you don't know when is because you didn't make it. (laughs) Do you see the thing? Yeah. You see, it's the same as an appointment that I have made for you But because you didn't make it, you don't know. I have to tell you. (laughs) Do you get it? So people are moving around, and we never know how close someone is to hell. You get it? We never know how close someone is to their appointment with death. We really don't know that for some of the people we meet, it is their last opportunity. Yes, for some of the people we meet, you are their last hope. You are the last person who could have told them something that would have helped them to avoid eternal suffering in hell. Do you see? That's why we need to pray for that burden. That Jesus would give us that burden once you start having that burden for souls, you begin to realize that it links itself straight to church growth. Amen. Amen. You want the church to grow because it means more and more people are coming to know the Lord and escaping hell because hell is real. Oh yeah, hell is real. You get it, and judgment is real. It says it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Why would we believe the first one and not the second one? <laughs> what reason do you have to believe the first one, but not the second one? <laughs> do you see? Yes, because people die. says so It's appointed unto men to die, and it's true that people die. And most people who die did not intend to die. So why would we not believe that there's a judgment after death? When we have clearly seen that the person has died. If I tell you that I'll come through the door at 12. And 15 minutes after, a dog will come after me. And then I come through the door at 12. Wouldn't you be a fool not to expect a dog? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least expect it. Yeah. <laughs> and if it doesn't come, then you call me a liar. Yeah. That is, but you can only call me a liar after the 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So if you haven't died yet, don't start saying there's no judgment. (laughs) Do you see? Yes. Yes. Now, then chapter 2 talks about the layman. You get it. That this church growth we are talking about can be achieved through lay people. Right. So chapter 2 defines who is a lay person, that a lay person is an ordinary person, a lay person is a normal person, a lay person is a commonplace person, a lay person is a regular person, a lay person is a usual person, is an everyday person, is an average person. It's a person who is not a professional, who is not an expert, who is not specialized, who is not skilled, who is not trained, who is not certified, who is not licensed. Do you get it? In other words, lay people are ordinary people like you. Amen. And they're saying that church growth can be achieved through such people. Hallelujah. In other words, it doesn't take a pastor to grow the church. It's not just the pastor. You get it? This burning desire we're talking about is not there's something found in a pastor, but it should be something found in the lay people also. That is, the ordinary person, the average member of the church. Do you see? The usual person, the regular person, the unskilled, untrained, you know, just everyday person. You know, who doesn't wear a priestly collar or anything like that. I mean, if God was counting on pastors to save the world, his workforce would be very small indeed. <laughs> Do you see? Yes. So cleverly, he has shifted the work. To the layperson, ordinary people, ordinary Christians and ordinary believers need to carry the burden for church growth. Right. I want the church to grow. I want my church to grow. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. And when you say, I want my church to grow, the church is the result. Do you get it? So then it sends you to the beginning, which is the work that creates that result. Hallelujah. So, ordinary people can make the church grow. You can make the church grow. The church will grow through you. Hallelujah. Yes. That lay people who have other jobs, you know, people who go to school, people who are engineers, who are teachers, accountants, You know, Uber drivers, DoorDash drivers, who else? Doctors, lawyers, nurses, waitresses, mechanics. All these people can help the church to grow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. You know, yes. And prophet gives us two keys here, you know, two keys that will help them accomplish that, the key of sacrifice and the key of wisdom. That through, if people are willing to sacrifice, they will be used by God to grow the church. Amen. Amen. Yes. Lay people can be taught the work of the ministry. Amen. Amen. And the work of the ministry is very simple, you know, prayer and the ministry of the word, isn't it? Prayer and the ministry of the word because Apostle Peter tells us in Acts chapter six and verse four, he says, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word, amen. So it means regular everyday people can be taught how to minister the word powerfully. First of all, everybody can pray, isn't it? Everybody can join the work of praying for souls. And souls need to be prayed for. The Bible says intercessions need to be made for all men. You get it? Yes. It's a spiritual work. If people are held captive by the devil, you will not release them easily. Do you see You will have to make an impact in the realm of the spirit in order to release them for salvation. Hallelujah. So it calls for prayer. We all need to pray. We all need to be prayerful. We all need to pray a lot, and we all can do it. Amen. That's why we need to join the flow prayer in the morning. Do you get it? Because it's, it's and, and this, you know, some time ago we used to have a, a whole prayer department in the church, you know. But to have a prayer department is, um, it's like, um, it's like maybe in a group you have, let's say in a group you have a breathing department. Do you see? As in breathing oxygen. You know, we can't have a breathing ministry where what we do is breathe. Breathing is what everybody is supposed to do. (laughs) You get it? So everybody takes responsibility for their own breathing. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So prayer is also like that. And in the church, we realize that everybody needs to pray. It's not like a specialized ministry for some people. Same thing with evangelism. You get it, I say like a group of people who are supposed to do the evangelism for the rest of the church. No, evangelism is a Christian duty. You get it? As much as prayer is a Christian responsibility. So we are supposed to do it whether we are in some group that specializes in it or not. Even if you are not in that group, you will not be excused from it. You are not excused from praying or evangelizing because you think. Do you see? Yes. Let the evangelism team do the evangelism. We are the choir. (laughs) No. It's not like that. So, lay people can be taught to visit and counsel younger Christians. Can we not do that? Yes. Lay people can be taught how to preach. What do you think? Yes. I started preaching as a lay person. Yes. I used to preach short, short sermons. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So, ordinary people like you can preach. Marcus, you can preach. Why not? Yes. Anybody who can gossip can preach. (laughs) What does a gossiper do? tell a story about something that has happened. Yes. Yes. Mm. So why can't we do that? Just change the subject. (laughs) Isn't it? Yes. So there's no excuse for not preaching. Lay people can be taught how to witness Lay people can be taught how to minister the word with power. And lay people can be taught how to make spiritual gains through prayer. Amen. Amen. This is what pastors do. This list I just read to you is what pastors do. So it means lay people can become pastors. (laughs) That's it. They can do the work of a pastor. Hallelujah. So, I'm going to close, but I want to encourage all of you to begin to pray and ask God, Lord, put the church on my heart. Put souls on my heart. Hallelujah. I want to be a soul winner. I want to be a lover of people. I want to care about people who are going to hell. When the the cost of them being saved is actually free, do you understand? Yes. I want to care that people are going to hell when it will take nothing for them to be saved. It will cost them nothing for them to be saved. Just yes to Jesus, which everybody can say. Do you see? Yes. Why should people go to hell? I mean, why should a person go to such a seriously evil place? When the cost of escaping it is actually free. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. That's why the government doesn't spare you when you don't send your child to school. Because you wouldn't have to pay anything. You see? Yeah. Unless you go to one of these fancy schools. But if you go to a regular elementary school in your neighborhood. You should be able to go to school for free. Do you get it? So the government does not understand. You are not going to pay for it. You are just supposed to put clothes on your child, which you have bought already, and send the child to school. Even we will give your child lunch. Yes. And they call you, therefore, an irresponsible parent, and sometimes they take the child away from you. That you don't deserve to raise a child. Think about it. A responsible Christian does not sit back and watch people go to hell when the price for their salvation has already been paid. (laughs) You get it, yes. When their salvation will cost you nothing. Why wouldn't we let them hear the gospel? Do you see? So that's our job. That's what God has called us to do. Amen. Stand to your feet and let's pray. Take two minutes and ask the Lord to make us so winners and give us a burden for church growth. Hallelujah. Say Amen. How many genuinely want that burden? How many genuinely want a burden for church growth? Pray. Let's pray. Let's, let's, let's pray. Just take two minutes. And I want you to pray. Just say, Lord, please give me that burden. Give me that burden. Give me that burden. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh Jesus father we pray for a burden 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 pray Lord for a burden in the name of Jesus deliver us from this indifference yes deliver us from this indifference towards souls who are perishing people who are dying and going to hell every day people who don't know you people who don't care that they are going to hell people who don't realize that they are actually going to hell and that hell is not a place you visit and come back that hell is actually a permanent destination for anybody who makes it there let's pray and say Lord please give us that burden give us the revelation give us a revelation that there is nothing fun about going to a place of eternal damnation a lake of fire give us a care about that in the name of Jesus. Thank you Lord. For your blessing. In the name of Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Amen. 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 Now. Before we close. We want to give you an opportunity. To give your life to Christ. That you may escape hell. Yourself. So I want to give you an opportunity if you're here this afternoon or watching us online but you know in your heart that you have not encountered Jesus as your Lord and your personal Savior. Because that's the only way to escape hell which is that you need to sign up with Christ. You need To engage the blood of Jesus. To wash away your sins. So that you can meet God's requirements. The Bible says. It takes believing in Jesus. Not to perish. But to have everlasting life. So. May you right now. Take that opportunity so that you can be saved. I'm offering that opportunity before we close this afternoon. And if you're here or you're online or listening to the podcast and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I want you to raise up your right hand and I'll pray with you. Just raise up your right hand and say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to make sure I'm saved. I want to be sure that I'm not going to hell when I die, when I leave this world, whenever it may be, I want to be sure that I'm in a better place in the name of Jesus. Is there anyone like that who wants to receive Jesus this afternoon? Yes. Okay. Why don't we all just say this prayer together? Say, Lord Jesus.
2: Lord Jesus.
0: I know I'm a sinner.
2: I know I'm a sinner.
0: And you died for my sins.
2: And you died for my
0: sins. Lord Jesus.
2: Lord Jesus.
0: Please come into my heart. Please come into my heart. Let your blood wash me.
2: Let your blood wash me.
0: Let your blood cleanse me.
2: Let your blood cleanse
0: me from my sins. and make me, a child of God. make me a child of God. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. for my salvation. For my salvation. Thank, you, Jesus. thank you, Jesus. There is salvation in no other name.
2: There is salvation in no other name
0: except in your name.
2: Except in your
0: name. So thank you, Jesus, no. so thank you, Jesus. for my salvation. For my salvation. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now we want to have communion. Amen. We want to come to the Lord's table. You know, communion is a reminder of what it takes to be saved. Amen. Which is the body of Jesus Christ, which was broken for us and the blood of Jesus Christ which was shed for us. Amen. Amen. So in communion, we experience God's complete provision through the blood of Jesus or by offering His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what communion does for us. So in communion, there's healing. Amen. In communion, there's forgiveness of sins. In communion, there the power of God itself is right here in your hand. Hallelujah. And you connect to it through faith. Amen. So I want everybody to have faith that this communion experience will be transformational. It will touch your life. It will establish you in God, in Christ, and you will experience the power of God wherever you need it. In the name of Jesus, say amen. Amen. Right. So let's join our pastor at the First Love Center as he leads us in the communion. Amen. Amen.
1: Oh, yes. Take your Holy Communion. Take your which holy communion
2: for you. Drink, this is my blood. which was shed for you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. For my flesh is meat indeed, and, and my blood is drink indeed. Oh. oh. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. The bread which we breathe is the communion of the body of Christ. Oh, this is the holy meal, the meal of God. Ooh, yeah. All right. Sustain.
1: Father, thank you for the body of Jesus Christ. Yes. We receive your Multiple healings, Yeah, I see multiple healings taking place, as amen. The Holy Communion, amen. Healing from every curse, yes. In the name of Jesus, the body of Jesus Christ, the body of Jesus Christ.
2: When I see the blood, oh, yeah, I will pass over you. Ooh,
1: Now the blood. How many have made some mistakes? Yes. May the Lord help you and strengthen you. Amen. As you receive the blood of Jesus. The Bible says that though your sins be red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. Beginning from today, you are transformed from a red whatever into a white as wool. Amen. Receive the blood of Jesus. Yes. The blood of Jesus.
0: The blood of Jesus.
1: Lift your hands for your blessing. May the blessing of the Lord come upon you. Amen. May you experience healing from yes. every continuous and chronic disease. Yes. Receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Every pain. I rebuke pain yes. and the reason for the pain Yes. in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord grant you long life. Yes. Grace to be a hundred years old. Amen. Grace to survive many attacks. Yes. Many dangers. Yes. Many snares. Yes. Many temptations. Amen. The Lord keep you. Amen. And the Lord grant you peace amen the lord make his face to shine on you
0: amen and give you peace amen
1: i see the lord choosing you yes and calling you yes and granting you great grace yes and great favor yes in the name of the father in the the name son of the and father. the holy ghost and everyone shouted amen. amen amen god bless you give your lord the loudest amen amen
0: hallelujah What a blessing.
1: Amen.